Good evening. Welcome to our Thursday night session. Tonight is Thursday night, September 24th, 2020. And this is, in effect, my pre-Shabbat Shuva drasha. Uh, Shabbat Shuva, the Shabbat between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, which is devoted to the subject of repentance and reconciliation and preparing for Yom Kippur. Traditionally, rabbis speak on this day, and every year I speak uh, just after Mincha in the afternoon. Of course, uh, this year it's a little bit different, so uh, we're doing it on Zoom, but I am delighted to have so many people together, studying together, for the purpose of improving ourselves, for the purpose of preparing for Yom Kippur. I am grateful that you have decided to join us, and I look forward to this time together. I have to tell you, I felt great about Rosh Hashanah at Adath. I thought we had planned it about as well as we could have under the circumstances. And I thought that everything worked out pretty well. Our safety precautions were excellent. We received great free feedback on everything we did services, events, the atmosphere. I was really on a high at the end of Rosh Hashanah. And then just after Rosh Hashanah ended, I learned that the government had moved the alert in Montreal to Orange with a limit of 25 people per service. And at this moment, as we speak, it is not exactly clear what, in fact, will happen on Yom Kippur. So the uncertainty continues. But what was immediately clear to me is that for Yom Kippur, most people will be at home. And even those who attend services, if there are services, again, at the moment we are planning full services, but as I said, there is still some uncertainty about how it will unfold. But even those who attend some service, still, they will only be in shul for a portion of the day. And I will confess to you, it's before Yom Kippur, I will confess to you that one of my first thoughts right after Rosh Hashanah hearing this news was selfish. What am I going to do all day on Yom Kippur? And the truth is, in my adult life, maybe my whole life, I've never asked myself that question. What am I going to do all day on Yom Kippur? And I was stumped. How do you make yourself useful when you can't do what you had planned to do? Especially for me, again, selfishly, Yom Kippur for me is always a strictly structured day. What was I going to do? I've told this story before. Once there was a woman on a bus in Yerushalayim. And she sees on the bus a young man, clearly a religious young man, boy, and she sees that he gets up from his seat and he moves to another seat and sits down. He gets up from that seat, he moves to another seat, and he sits down. He gets up from that seat, moves to another seat, and he keeps doing this over and over and over again. And this woman is watching and it's driving her crazy. What, what is this young person doing? It's just so bizarre. So finally, she can't take it anymore. So she goes over to him. And she says, what are you doing? Either sit or stand. But what are you doing? So this boy says to her, I'll tell you the story. I have a long bus ride. I would prefer to spend the time on the bus reading, 
to bring a safer a Jewish book, to be involved in something that is uplifting, that is constructive. But I have a medical condition. If I read on a bus, I get nauseous. So I can't read. So I thought to myself, what mitzvah can I do instead of just sitting and doing nothing? And I realized I can do the mitzvah of standing up to give my seat to someone else. So that's what I do over and over and over again. Every time someone gets on the bus, I stand up and offer them my seat. I go to a different place. Next person gets on the bus, I stand up. I offer them my seat. I go to another place over and over and over again. So I kind of thought the same thing to myself. And I had several immediate ideas of how I would spend Yom Kippur constructively, none of which are possible. I figured, you know, I would go visit people in the hospital. Can't visit people in the hospital. I would go visit people at home, cheer them up. I would talk to people who might need some inspiration, lift their spirits. <laughs> but due to the regulations and social distancing, physical distancing, none of these ideas are possible. So what would I do? And then I realized, if I don't know what I'm going to do, what is everybody else going to do all day long? What is everyone going to do all day long, this Yom Kippur, that is appropriate to the holiest day of the year? Tonight, I have a number of suggestions to offer. But I want to frame this properly. I started thinking about this within the context of this extraordinary circumstance of a global pandemic. But what I will share with you is in fact essential to the nature of Yom Kippur every year. And hopefully what we studied together tonight will teach us several profound lessons about the meaning and significance of Yom Kippur. Now, I'm going to refer repeatedly to an email that I sent out yesterday. And the, the title of the email is Yom Kippur Toolbox of Resources. So if you received it, you can take a look at it. If you did not receive it and you would like to receive it after I describe it, just let me know and I would be thrilled to send it to you. What it is, is a uh, listing of links and tools, resources to help make our Yom Kippur more enjoyable, more meaningful. So first, I included all of the recordings of everything that I've said about Yom Kippur this year so far. Okay, fine. <clears throat> I also included something that I think is very, very meaningful. Last year, a year ago, I gave a class discussing a song by Ishai Rebo. And the name of the song is Seder HaVoda. So maybe you heard me or maybe you're familiar with this. It is a brilliant and beautiful song. But in order to appreciate it and understand it, it requires a lot of background information and a lot of unpacking. So I spent an hour uh, providing the information in order to make the song more accessible. So I gave you in this email the link to the podcast that I did last year and also the, a link to the lyrics in an English translation, Ishai Rebo is an Israeli singer and the song is in Hebrew. Uh, so I provided a translation and I also gave you the link to the actual song itself on YouTube. It is, it is one of the most um, moving and spiritual preparations for Yom Kippur that I have found for myself. 
And uh, again, I urge you uh, to take a listen. <clears throat> there are also a number of other links in this email to various websites, reading material, ideas. I'm going to mention a few of them in just a few minutes. But there's really a lot of stuff there. And I urge you to check out the email, check out some of the links, and especially this year, uh, some of this material may be helpful to you. <clears throat> now, several suggestions about what to do all day on Yom Kippur this year are obvious. Prayer. Prayer. We should pray on Yom Kippur. Prayer is meaningful in any location, whether you're in a shul or a tent or at home or walking any time of day or night. And in this toolbox, by the way, one of the things that I provided to you is a link to an abridged Yom Kippur Moxer, the Yom Kippur prayer book. If you have your own Yom Kippur Moxer, that's great, but if you don't, I scanned the pages of those prayers that one could say at home, and you can download it and print it, and you would have all the prayers for Yom Kippur um, at your fingertips. So that's just one suggestion, just one of the links that I have. Now, I do want to make it clear, though, yes, there are formal prayers that are prescribed for each segment of Yom Kippur. But as we have discussed many times before, prayer encompasses much more than that. The truth is that every moment, every word, every thought or emotion of connection with God is prayer. And this year on Yom Kippur in particular, we need to expand our understanding of, our appreciation of, and our engagement with informal prayer. One woman told me this week that her deepest moment of connection with God on Rosh Hashanah happened when she woke up in the middle of the night with a baby. And as she was soothing this baby, she sang one of the prayers whose melody she remembers from childhood. And she said to me, that was my most spiritual moment of Rosh Hashanah. That moment is genuine prayer. And we should embrace it. We should recognize that we are engaged in the deepest prayer, even if we don't join a minion, even if we don't open a prayer book. Obviously, another thing that we can do on Yom Kippur, we can read. So I have provided you with quite a bit of reading material. I already publicized the High Holiday Supplemental Reading Booklet, which, as you know, I do every year. This year it's online. The collection of reading material that I collect during the year of all kinds of different subjects. But originally I was only going to do one because I figured putting it on the Internet and I was a little bit busy, I did one that should cover it, but I decided when I realized people were going to be spending a lot of time at home, I did another one. So there's a new one and it has a lot of interesting stuff. Hopefully you'll find it uh, inspiring, educational, humorous, um, maybe surprising, maybe uh, controversial, uh, but that's fine. But that's fine. So I have a new supplemental reading booklet for Young Kipper. The link is in this email of the toolbox. And um, so there's plenty of reading material. Prepare it in advance. Print it out. You'll have it. 
Another link that I provided on this email is especially for families that have young children, which can be a particular challenge spending all day at home on Yom Kippur, if that's the situation. PJ Library, which is an amazing, amazing resource. PJ Library, High Holidays at Home, is a vast, fascinating, creative website with all kinds of ideas of games and activities and um, informal learning. And if you're going to be with young children, I urge you check out the link to PJ Library High Holidays at Home for families with young children. Of course, and again, this is all <coughs> this is also obvious. If there are adults and children at home, it's important for each adult to give some respite time to the other adult in terms of caring for the children, to leave the burden of caring for children to just one of the adults is not the right thing. And especially Yom Kippur, it might be a long day, it might be raining, and uh, it's important to be considerate of the people that are in your family. If there is a family together at home on Yom Kippur, it is possible, I, I hope not, but it is possible, that at some point during the day, there might be some words that are irritating, maybe even a little bit disrespectful. And we need to try so hard to avoid any disharmony on Yom Kippur. So I want to share something I've shared before, and I share this in tribute to a great person that passed away, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, of blessed memory. She's a person who was accomplished in so many areas and on so many levels. So this is a story that she used to tell, and I tell it in her memory. On the day of her wedding, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, her future mother-in-law called her into her room and said, Dear, I would like to give you some advice. It's the secret to a happy marriage. And it's simply that every now and then it helps to be a little deaf. Now, obviously, if somebody asks you for help or there's a disturbance in the next room, don't act like you're deaf. That's not the time. But if someone says something, let it slide. You don't have to respond to every comment. You don't have to hear every remark. Sometimes not hearing something is the best way to avoid disharmony. Okay, these are all important, hopefully helpful suggestions. They're somewhat obvious. But I want now to concentrate on two sources that yield critical central lessons about the essence of Yom Kippur. One of my favorite Yom Kippur prayers, and it may be one of your favorite Yom Kippur prayers, and you will certainly appreciate it more in just a few minutes, is the first prayer on Yom Kippur that is specific to Yom Kippur, the prayer Ya'aleh. Ya'aleh is the prayer that is the first prayer we say after the Amidah at night. We have Kol Nidre, this year Sunday night, and then Marid, the evening prayer. We have the Amidah, the silent prayer, standing silent prayer. And then the first prayer after that, which is unique to Yom Kippur, is Ya'aleh. In a real sense, it is the introduction 
to Yom Kippur. And it starts like this. Ya'ale tachanunenu me'erev. May our supplications ascend to you, God, in the evening. V'yavo shavoseinu miboker. And may our cry arrive in heaven in the morning. And may our praise of you, God, find favor in your eyes, God, at the evening. So the evening is the beginning of Yom Kippur, right after Kol Nidre. The morning is the morning of Yom Kippur. And then the next evening, that evening is Ne'ilah. So it is a prayer that makes reference to praying the evening and the morning and the evening. Ma'ariv, the evening prayer. Shachris, the morning prayer. And then Ne'ilah at the close of Yom Kippur. Rav Yosef Soloveitchik, the Rav, explained that the second Ad Erev evening refers to Ne'ilah, as I just said. And what this prayer does is it serves as an introduction to Ne'ilah. Right at the beginning of Yom Kippur, the first prayer is actually an introduction to the last prayer, to Ne'ilah, to the end of Yom Kippur. In other words, we ask God that from the very beginning of Yom Kippur, Sunday night, our prayers, and then our prayers in the morning, Monday morning, culminating in our prayers Monday evening at Ne'ilah, all of them should be accepted together as one unit. What this prayer is seeking to express to us is that Ne'ilah is not a separate individual prayer service. It rather is the culmination of the entire day. So that, in fact, Yom Kippur forms a single unit of prayer that starts Sunday night and ends Monday night. Excuse me. Okay. So, this prayer of Yahleh introduces prayer on Yom Kippur and connects all of Yom Kippur into a single unit, as I said. It culminates in the Elah so that the Elah's power rests on the accumulation of the prayers we have said since we said Yahleh the night before. That is the Rav's structural explanation of this prayer. Now let's look at Rav Soloveitchik's textual analysis because the wording of this prayer is quite curious. If this prayer is describing our prayers that we offer in the evening and in the morning, and in the evening at Ne'ilah, the words don't say that. Because if that's what the prayer meant to say, the words would be, Ya'aleh tachanunenu be'erev. May our supplications ascend in the evening. In other words, it's evening, we're praying, let our prayers come up to you. And then let our prayers in the morning come before you. And then finally, let our prayers in the evening at Ne'ilah find favor in your eyes. It should have said, Be'erev, Baboker. In the evening, in the morning, in the evening. What does it mean, Yale Tachanunenu Me'erev? Which literally means, May our supplication may our supplications ascend from evening. What does that mean? In what sense do our prayers emanate from evening? Our prayers emanate from us 
praying in the evening. It's just one letter, but it seems like it's the wrong letter. So to answer this question, the Rav, Rav Soloveitchik, quotes the following passage in the Talmud. And this is an amazing passage. The Talmud asks the following question. We all know the goal of Yom Kippur is to pray, to confess our sins, vidui, to engage in teshuva repentance, and to achieve atonement, forgiveness. The famous verse that we quote over and over again, Lifne Hashem titaru, before God we will be purified, we will be forgiven, we will be cleansed of our sins. That's the goal of Yom Kippur. Asks the Talmud the following question. What if a person did nothing at all, all Yom Kippur? Literally nothing. What if a person slept 25 hours straight? What if a person was unconscious for all of Yom Kippur? Didn't violate Yom Kippur, didn't do anything that violates Yom Kippur, but they did nothing positive about Yom Kippur. Do they achieve forgiveness? Well, it's certainly not ideal, but says the Talmud, yes, such a person achieves forgiveness on Yom Kippur. How does that work? So the Talmud says something that at first seems very difficult to understand. The Talmud says, yes, a person can achieve forgiveness in such a situation because of itzumo shel yom mechaper, the essence of the day of Yom Kippur achieves atonement. There is something about the day of Yom Kippur itself. Time is different on Yom Kippur. The day itself has a character. It has a power for everyone, regardless of any action we do on it. It's not just a Monday. The day, the hours, the time embraces each of us with God's forgiveness. That's what the prayer means. Yale tachanu nenu me'erev. Not only the words that we say in the prayer in the evening should come before God, but the evening itself, the hours of the evening. The time itself moves God to forgive us. Even if you do nothing on Yom Kippur, no prayer, no actions, of course, no violations, you sit at home and daydream 25 hours, you will have a successful and meaningful Yom Kippur. You will benefit from Itsumo Shel Yom, the essence of the day, the passing of the hours of Yom Kippur has an effect on us spiritually. The hours themselves will be your prayer. And that is what is promised to us in this first prayer of Yom Kippur, Ya'aleh. But let's go a step further. A step that will lead us to some very practical suggestions for what to do this Yom Kippur. Rav Soloveitchik, in explaining this very abstract concept, the essence of the day, he tells a story. And it is a beautiful poignant story that perfectly expresses this concept of Itsumo Shel Yom, 
the essence of the day. I remember how once, when I was a boy on Yom Kippur, I went outside into the courtyard with my father just before Ni'ila. It had been a fresh, clear day, one of the fine, almost delicate days of summer's end, filled with sunshine and light. Evening was fast approaching, and an exquisite autumn sun was sinking in the west beyond the trees into a sea of purple and gold. My father, a man of Jewish law par excellence, turned to me and said, This sunset differs from ordinary sunsets. For with this sunset, forgiveness is bestowed upon us for our sins. The Day of Atonement and the forgiveness of sins merged and blended here with the splendor and beauty of the world and with the hidden lawfulness of the order of creation. And the whole was transformed into one living, holy, cosmic phenomenon. So here's my suggestion. This Yom Kippur, take a long walk by yourself or with a member of your family. You don't have to say anything. Just take a walk and look at and appreciate God's beautiful world. Maybe you'll see the leaves starting to turn. It may be raining. Look at the moisture and appreciate the life and energy it creates. Think about the beauty God created for us. And think about how these moments of quiet reflection, the moments themselves bring atonement and forgiveness from God. Such a walk is not a distraction from Yom Kippur. It is its highest fulfillment. I want to come back to this walk a little bit later. Let's move to a second source. Okay, so right? We all know what Yom Kippur is all about, right? We know Yom Kippur. God wants us to fast. God wants us to pray, right? We know what Yom Kippur is. I've said this before. I have never, no rabbi has ever said a more powerful Yom Kippur sermon than Yeshayahu Hanavi, the prophet Isaiah, whose prophecy we read for the Haftorah on Yom Kippur. Now the Haftorah, for each Shabbos, for each Yom Tov, expresses the essential character of that day. Isaiah tells us, most of us, are in fact missing the essence of Yom Kippur. Listen to these words, which come from the Haftorah for Yom Kippur. V'osi yom yom yidroshun v'das derocha yechpatsun. They pretend, God says through the prophet Isaiah, they pretend to seek me every day. They pretend to desire knowledge of my ways. Isaiah says that we're just fooling ourselves. We're just pretending at Yom Kippur. What an indictment. 
And God says to the prophet, they, meaning us, say to God on Yom Kippur, God, I fasted? Why didn't you listen to me? Why didn't you grant all the prayers that I asked for? We denied ourselves. You ignored us. I asked you for this. I asked you for that. You didn't listen to me. I asked you for a good year. And look what happened last year. What happened to our prayers from last year? So we say to God, what's the deal? We did what you wanted. We're observing Yom Kippur properly. How come you're not keeping up your end of the bargain? And God answers and says, Hain l'riv umatsah tatsumu. Because on your fast day, you oppressed other people. You think that just because you fasted and prayed that I'm going to do whatever you ask for, God says? You were fasting holding on to grievances and strife. You were fasting and praying, but still striking with a wicked fist. That's not what I want. That's not what Yom Kippur is about. Fasting and prayer, and you think that's what I want on Yom, on Yom Kippur from you? You're missing the whole point. Do you think that's the kind of fast day that I want, God says? You're fooling yourself. God says, let me explain to you what I'm looking for. Let me explain to you what I expect from you on Yom Kippur, that I expect to be the effect of your fasting and prayer. This is the kind of fast day that I'm looking for. Open the bonds of wickedness. Dissolve the groups that pervert justice. Let the oppressed go free and annul perversion. That's what I'm looking for. Stop hurting other people. That's what I want. Halo paros lachmecha. Divide your bread with the hungry. And those who are in need, bring them into your home and take care of them. Kisira aram so. If you see someone without clothes, Clothe them. Umibsarcha lotis alam. Do not ignore your fellow. Umibsarcha lotis alam. That's what I want. If you would do that, if that would be the substance of your Yom Kippur, then your light will burst forth like the dawn and your healing will speedily sprout. Then your righteous deeds will precede you and the glory of God will gather you in. Then you will call and God will respond. You will cry out and God will say, Here I am. Then you shall be granted pleasure with God and I shall mount you astride the heights of the world and I will provide you the heritage of your forefather Jacob for the mouth of God has spoken. It's like Isaiah is sitting in shul with us on Yom Kippur and he's telling us what God is thinking. You're fasting you're praying, but meanwhile you're not treating people right? You think that's what I want? You're missing the whole point of Yom Kippur. The point Isaiah quotes God as saying is how you treat other people. That is the point of Yom Kippur. 
Okay, so what does that mean practically for us? I suggest let's start with baby steps. You know, baby steps are important. One step at a time. <clears throat> I saw something on Facebook I have to share with you. It's about the difference between cooking shows in England and cooking shows in the United States. Maybe you saw this. British cooking shows. Tell us about this wee tart you've made. The crust is just lovely. <laughs> if you ever watch like the British shows, right? That's, that's what it's like. American cooking shows. <laughs> we replaced <laughs> we replaced your knives with Phillips head screwdrivers. We released raccoons in the kitchen. The clock is set for 30 seconds. Please bake us peace in the Middle East. <laughs> All right. So if your goal is to achieve peace in the Middle East in 30 seconds, you know, it's going to be hard. Baby steps. Baby steps. You can't accomplish everything that Isaiah talks about in one day. It is a program for a lifetime. But we can start. Let's go back to that walk that we're taking on Yom Kippur. Here's an idea. While you're walking, smile. <clears throat> you don't have to do anything crazy, like talking or coming close to someone. Don't do anything like that. Just smile when you pass somebody. Find ways to lift someone's spirit. This in, this in fact is a teaching of our rabbis. Our rabbis teach us, We should greet every single person with a cheerful, pleasant, friendly expression. That is a, a, a law. That's a requirement. That's a halacha. And never underestimate the impact you can have on another person just by smiling. If you look, you will find that there are so many opportunities, even on this Yom Kippur with whatever else is going on, to make someone else feel better. Here's another idea. While you're on your walk, when you pass someone and you smile, think to yourself. It's just all internal, just cerebral. Think to yourself, that person, whoever it is, like me, is created in God's image. And that means that that person, whoever it is, is dear to God, cherished by God, and therefore deserving of respect and fairness and empathy, whoever they are, just let that thought percolate as you pass by someone on your walk. Here's another idea. Now this idea involves a little bit of talking, so <clears throat> this is only for someone that you're living with in the same household. Say something that makes them feel better about themselves. Or take some time and properly, genuinely, with a full heart, apologize for something hurtful you did or said. If you say to me, well, that doesn't sound very holy. That doesn't seem appropriate for Yom Kippur, the holiest day of the year. 
I will respond to you, yes. On Yom Kippur, holiness is fasting and wearing white garments and praying all day. In other words, being like an angel with no physical needs, only the spiritual need to commune with God. <clears throat> and that's an important part of Yom Kippur. In ancient times, when the Beit HaMikdash, the Holy Temple in Jerusalem was standing, the focal point on Yom Kippur was the Kohen Gadol, the high priest, who would perform the rituals and the sacrifices in the Beit HaMikdash, the Holy Temple in Jerusalem. It was the one day of the year that he, and he alone, would enter the Kodesh HaKadoshim, the Holy of Holies. The inner sanctum of the temple, no one else was ever allowed to enter. And, even today, the temple has not existed for 2,000 years. We still describe this scene in detail as a major part of the service on Yom Kippur in order to recall and visualize these mysterious, esoteric, holy rituals. We refer to this as Seder Ho'avoda, the title of Ishai Rivo's song. But when we recall these sacrifices and rituals. At the end of that section, we say a prayer. Mare Kohen, one of the most famous, beautiful, most beautiful prayers of Yom Kippur that describes the appearance of the Kohen Gadol as he left the Holy of Holies in peace. His face was like a heavenly canopy, like a lightning bolt from the angels, like the morning star. That's holy. And at that moment of peak holiness, the holiest of the holy, the Kohen Gadol, the high priest, would say a prayer. A startling prayer, which we quote in our service, that includes the following passage. And concerning the residents of Sharon, Sharon was a town in Israel in a valley where the land was very unstable and not suitable for building. Concerning the residents of Sharon, may it be your will, God, that their homes do not become their graves. <laughs> What's going on? Now the Kohen Gadol is a building inspector. And why should he pray for this to begin with? If it's not a safe place to live, move somewhere else. And if the construction is poor, reinforce the construction. But in any event, this is what the Kohen Gadol, the high priest, is concerned about the moment that he exits the Holy of Holies. Couldn't he stick to a more spiritual request in keeping with the holiness of the moment? Rabbi David Meshalov answers that in our tradition, there is a second type of holiness. And this holiness is not mysterious. It is not spiritual. It is not esoteric. This holiness is rooted firmly in our physical world and is devoted to looking after the needs of others. For me to make sure that you are okay, for me to try to help you feel better, is every bit as holy as prayer and worship. And this is one of the primary lessons of Yom Kippur. This is Isaiah's teaching that especially this year we can apply in concrete ways. So I want to leave you with this to accompany your journey through Yom Kippur this year. Expand your view of prayer Expand your view of the nature of time on Yom Kippur. Expand your understanding of what is holiness. And I promise you, you will be busy all Yom Kippur long. Whether you come to shul, whether you go to a minion, whether you stay home, whether you take a walk, anything else I have suggested. And when you do, know with certainty, God is loving you for it.
There's a great Hasidic master, the Rebbe of Slunim. The Slunim Rebbe once found himself at an inn. And in the lobby, he sees a Jew who is just shining holiness. He's never in his life seen a Jew who radiated such holiness like this Jew in the lobby of this inn. So he goes over to the stranger and he says to him, My sweet Jew, you are clearly so holy, so special. What is your story? Who are you? Where are you from? And the man says, I'm no one special. I live in a nearby village. I come here to do business. <laughs> I'm just a simple Jew. I have almost no Jewish knowledge. I don't pray because I have trouble reading. When I open the prayer book after a few words, it's too hard. So I just sit. But there is one thing that I say every night before I go to bed. I start to say Shema Yisrael, which is the prayer that many of us say before we go to sleep at night. I start to say Shema Yisrael, this Jew says, but then I don't remember the words. I don't remember the rest of it. Shema Yisrael is all I can remember. But every night before I go to sleep, I say these words. Master of the universe, there is only one thing I ask of you. If you don't believe that tomorrow I can do all you need me to do in this world, if you don't think I can get the job done, the job for which you brought me into this world, don't wake me in the morning. But if you believe that tomorrow I can do what you need me to do in this world, only then do I ask that you wake me in the morning. When you wake up on Yom Kippur morning, know with certainty that God believes you can get the job done. You can succeed at this. You can have a meaningful Yom Kippur. I know you can. More importantly, God knows you can. My friends, I want to wish you a beautiful, spiritual, meaningful Yom Kippur. I truly believe it has the potential to be the best Yom Kippur of our lives. Shana Tovah.